We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another AFC East Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. It's my producer, Chris Krueger. And in studio with us tonight, Dr. Kyle Trimble from BangedUpBills.com. How are we, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Drew. Thanks for having me on. Dude, anytime, dude. It's been so long since I get to see you in person. The last time you you and I saw each other, I was fighting with uh, barbecue chicken in my backyard. A, a combination of, like, sort of sick and also hungover. Uh, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, you're cutting up chicken and ribs, and you were dissatisfied because the ribs cooked too fast, and everything was everything was crap. Yes. Everything was, and and here's the worst part about doing that kind of stuff: nobody knows it's crap except for you. Mm-hmm. I know that I disappoint, but everyone eats it and they go, "Oh, this is delicious." And in my head, I'm like, "Duh, you could have done this <laughs> different." You feed it to longer. the dogs. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, folks, we are here taking an AFC East look at pre-camp injury and availability for each team in the division. It's going to be I'm excited about this conversation because it's it's usually the type of thing you only talk about when training camp is right around the corner, which means we're so close to getting actual football back in our lives. Real things to talk about, real storylines. But before we can do it, there's a certain storyline for the Rockpile Report podcast that I think needs to, a loose end that needs to be tied up. And I'm going to give Chris the floor for this. Yeah, it was May 12th. Okay. May 12th, we are recording here in my kitchen. We're a minute away from being done. And some, you could hear it on the show. I don't remember what episode it was, but somebody's banging on my window <laughs> at 10.15 at night. To tell I assumed it was someone c- coming to tell us to shut up. Yeah, but somebody was banging on my window because they witnessed somebody back into my car to get out of a spot and leave. And they didn't leave me a note. And it's people across the street. So it's like young kid, I think between 
18 and 21. That uh, hopefully closer to 21, considering that. Uh, yeah, well, you uh, bought him beer as a thank you gift. It's still in your fridge, folks. He hasn't committed a crime yet, but no. Meanwhile, I don't know if I'll, I'll give it to him because I filed a police report. I bought that car a year and a half ago, just under a year and a half ago. So even though the only thing that's legit broken on it is that there's a crack in the license plate holder. Is the only thing that's wrong. So I filed a police report, and I gave them phone numbers that I got from those kids that we talked to. They couldn't get in touch with them, which is probably why they're not getting beer, is because the cops called them to try to finish this out sooner, but they didn't. Probably because they went over and cut a better deal with your neighbor, which is the person we all suspect hit your car. Could be. Now, see... This is where you need to be more assertive, Chris. But leaving things like this up to the law, eh, who gets satisfaction? Not you. Sometimes yeah. a, a good old dose of vigilante justice. No, they the cop looked at my car. They called me ye- yesterday, a Sunday at nine thirty in at night. Oh, we're gonna come over. We're about to like finish this up. They come over. They look at it and they go, "Well, it's consistent with the vehicle that it hit you." Because they pulled out like a measure, tape measure, measured, you know, from the ground to where the damage is on my license plate. And they showed up. The people across the street, they were partying up on their upper porch, their second floor porch. And then the cops roll up and they everything gets quiet. They turn down the music. They think they think somebody called the cops on them for being loud on a Sunday night. But no, they uh, dealt with me. And what's funny is the cops that showed up to talk to me like they knew them by like first name like they're friends i'm like oh that's how often you get called to go over there where it's a first name basis so they were like yeah we called them and they never answered so they went over and like talked to him to get a statement about it but i have a case number i have to go to the police station and you're still pursuing this with the police get the report and then call the insurance company and have them send me 40 bucks for a new plate holder i hate you so much like you've had this built up like this was this is how anticlimactic kyle do you see why i get frustrated with this guy this is so petty (laughs) i mean we are the pettiest pills podcast but this is a whole nother level petty i'm like shit like just deal with it chris has so much free time that he can go to these lengths i have like i have like no i have no physical car damage it's just the plate holder but the fact that you hit and ran yeah yeah. If the guy had come in, I okay. If it was my old car, like I, I'd be okay. My they tr- hit my old car. I know that car has you know two years tops left on it. I just bought this three months ago. Somebody backed into my truck. I was walking to my truck in the Walmart parking lot, which is it's it's almost like God punishing me for shopping at Walmart because that's that's what you get for walking in the door. I'm walking to my vehicle. And I see some guy nervously pacing in front of my truck. And I'm just like, please tell me this idiot's not going to start talking to me. And I go to climb in and he comes running over and he's all jittery. And he's got these big horn rim glasses on. And he's like, oh, I was just trying to get out of my space. And, and I'm really sorry. And I was like, okay, what did you do? And he goes, well, I, be- I backed into your truck. I was trying to line up the space. And I'm really sorry. And I look. And there's a dent about the size of a golf ball. And he broke my license plate holder. He already had his insurance information and his driver's license in his hand. And he was like, oh, if you want to exchange information. And I looked at him and I was like, do you understand how little time I have for this? 
it's fine. And I tried to be polite about it. I was like, it's fine. Just, just you know, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I, I would have ripped up his insurance not, in front of him and then left. I was like, <laughs> it's not that big done. a deal. And then as I'm trying to get into my vehicle, he grabs me by the arm kind of and is like, hey, but but no, but but really, you know, it's I'll give you my insurance information. So now you forced me to get hostile about this. And I was like, I don't care. I'll run into your car and it'll make us even. And then I'll leave. Is that what you want? Get away from me. And which he ran back to his vehicle now because I'm a lunatic screaming in the Walmart parking lot, which I think really no one was shocked. Like no passersby were shocked because it's Walmart. But you and I are very different people when it comes to this stuff, Chris. I'm just... I, I always think... You give me that 40 bucks now for a plate holder. <laughs> and now is when you go across the street and you cut a deal with those people. You could have blackmailed them for so much more than that. 40 bucks. <laughs> Let's talk about football. You are an enraging human being. Kyle, how has the content creation process been for you this offseason? It's been pretty busy. I, I've been keeping up with enough of the Bill stuff, and then you texted me and said, hey, we want to have you on for all the AFC East stuff, so I started digging into that, and some of the stuff was really, really lengthy, especially for the Patriots and um, Jets. So I've been staying super busy. And well, then- you also now so, – so for those of you who aren't, may not be familiar, uh, at BangedUpBills on Twitter, he runs BangedUpBills.com, and then you also have started working recently for the for, for a new outlet yes, where you're called, writing called the Game Day. Yes, yep. where you write articles. I'm assuming because from what I can tell, they're skewed more towards fantasy football. They're skewed more towards betting. Okay, towards yeah. gambling. Yes. And so having some injury insight when it comes to sports betting, I mean that's the future of this thing. It is, and it it's is. why there's probably more clarity going to be demanded about injuries and about injury information and there's some real value to having that information at a specific outlet correct correct. so you started cutting your teeth for this type of content at the perfect right time i really did yep because now that you've got a little bit of new you've got a little bit of experience this with gambling and with the future i mean look at the tom brady thing that just came out which blows people's minds right I mean, the actual story, how he tore uh, he played the entire season with a torn MCL, fully torn, it, it's, that's not true. Like, there's no way he would have been able to play with a fully torn. He had residual laxity in there, and that I'm sure has given him problems. But to say he was playing with, like, a ligament flapping in the wind is just... <laughs> it wants, it, somebody wants to kind of build up the... Um, the mystique? Yes. The about mystique. Tom Brady? This yes. is just a vanity yeah, story? It, it is. Oh, 100%. Jesus. I believe he truly had an actual injury. I believe that it was documented some time with the Patriots. But, like, you don't play the whole year. And like, oh, I played. Like, if you play with a torn ACL, okay, maybe that's a little more impressive. Or, hey, I played with a blown-out rotator cuff or, I don't know, broken freaking neck or something. Like, I something, my MCL and I came back and I played and I won. Yeah. So what does the MCL, MCL allow you to do? It, pro- it provides that medial stability in the knee so you can do all your cutting and running and, you know, just allows... Well, things he doesn't do. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's why nobody noticed. Yeah. To hell with that guy. So and he then, just stays back in the pocket. He had good offensive line, but still, it's just overblown with everything. But and that is, kind of stuff would have been important to know for gambling. Oh, for not. sure. But this is what I love. That you give, your brand has kind of taken off. Now I see, I, I see you talking to Joe Marino. You're oh, locked on bills every week. Yep. You you have a, a standing appointment with him. I see your writings over at buffalorumblings.com. You've really, in the time we've gotten to know you, gone from being just a dude who listened to our show to then starting your own content creation to now you're out there. Yeah, you're welcome. You're out there. It's a ama- You're welcome. <laughs> Shut up. No, he's 
Listen, between the three of us, he's the smartest person in the room right now. Yeah. Thank you. That's to not Kyle. saying much, but thank, thank you, you to Kyle for showing up and doing all this. But so he's the expert on these things that we turn to when we have questions about injuries. And we've already talked about position battles. We've been talking about it all summer long. One of the other important storylines heading into training camp is trying to figure out where every team stacks up in terms of injuries and just how healthy you are, who's available. So that's the theme of tonight's show is we're going to dig into each team around the AFC East and take a look at the injury situations and try to get a feel for where the Buffalo Bills stack up. Now, I'd love to jump right into it, but Kyle was kind enough. With him, he brought a gift. A bottle of dark. Well, I'm going to take it home with me, but oh, you can certainly sample it. <laughs> oh, for sure. A bottle of Dark Island rum. Or not rum, Jesus. Straight bourbon whiskey called River Blues. Musically matured. Let's see. Uh, grain to music to glass. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Does it say how many years? Single barrel. 40 proof. It doesn't give an age on it, but I'll tell you what. I'm interested to give it a try. I love that sound. I love the sound of good cork mix. Here. I'm going to pour you a bit. You say when? You're good. Sound like you have to leave here later and go parent. Right? Well, hopefully both the kids will be home. and Well, no, they are home, but they're, hopefully they're both sleeping by then. But there's not guarantee with my son, so. I like the smell of it, sir. Bottoms up. Ooh. I do like it. It's got a little caramely... Now, where did you pick this up at? Up in Thousand Islands, Alexandria Bay, last month. I was going to say, I'm looking for where this... Yeah, it's it's distilled right there in A-Bay. Mm-hmm. No kidding. So it's kind of a regional... It's kind of a regional liquor. I yeah. like that. It's got a lot of caramel at the onset. Mm-hmm. When Chris tried a little bit of it, he said, he's like, it's very smooth at the onset, and it finishes with a little bite. Mm-hmm. Finishes with just a little hint of something. And Chris, you know how I feel about that. I like my whiskey to fight me a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I like to know. If it's too smooth and sherry and no man should be drinking that, we're talking about sports. Or probably ever at all. So, or brandy. And so with that in mind, uh, brandy is something that you drink while you wear a velour jacket. True or false? Like, I feel like if you're... I can't if you're, say that I've ever had brandy. Yeah, because you don't own any velour. Go get some, and then you'll just have a... You'll all of a sudden have a craving for brandy. So as we dive into this conversation, this is really smooth. This is really smooth. And I'm a fan, and I did just spill some into my laptop. You'll be looking it up in probably a half hour. I'll get a straw. (laughs) So as we start this conversation, the New York Jets are the first team in the docket. And they've got some big names that prior to training camp have popped up on the injury report. Have they not? Correct. Correct. So the first one that I want to ask you about, Makai Becton. He was kind of, the what I've read. It's being declared as plantar fasciitis, which I feel like for an offensive tackle is pre- right now. He's being listed as questionable for the state of tra- start of training camp, according to the outlets that I've, the mainstream outlets that I've looked at. Now, when you look at what he is, dominating presence for the Jets as an offensive tackle as a rookie, plays a physically imposing brand of football. And luckily for the Jets, they did sign Morgan Moses to give them another option at offensive tackle because without Becton, they have no starting depth at tackle. But plantar fasciitis for an offensive tackle is kind of a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal for any football player. Okay. So how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how how much do you think this is going to be a hindrance if they've declared it as plantar fasciitis of any, I mean, are there degrees 
a plantar fasciitis, or once you have it, you just have it? Once you have it, you just have it. I mean, you can become a chronic thing and becomes managed, and it can kind of sometimes go away on its own. And, of course, there's exercises, stretching, and other modalities you can do to treat it. But it's something that kind of just lingers and just – it's real stubborn. Whenever I got that diagnosis when I worked in the clinic, it was just like – Ah, shit. This is just another one. Like, you, you've tried different things to see what works. Sometimes people respond to it. Sometimes they don't. But it's just a real um, – it's just real tough to deal with. And then you're trying to figure out what's, what, what was the reason behind it. Is it the proper shoes? Is it, you know, other compensation patterns? Um, I know John Feliciano with the bill said he had it and then just disappeared, you know, in February, I think it was. But – on the scale of like how problematic it is, I'd probably say like a five. Yeah, it's going to affect him and his ability to play, but like it's not going to keep him out of games. It won't keep him out of games. And so I guess that's what I'm interested in is this is something, though, that long term he's probably going to deal with for a while in varying degrees. Give or take. I mean, we just we don't know how how long he's been dealing with it. They mentioned it, but we don't know if it was been since the off like since. You know, week 17 or if it's just be kind of come up with the OTAs so it might just be something kind of maintenance to just deal with it and hopefully that they continue kind of get ahead of it allow them to rest and then that kind of calms things down where you can kind of get back up and the swing of things while that having problems we don't know which side it affects to either I, I haven't seen which side it was affecting true true and that'll as an offensive lineman depending on which foot it is it's going to be which I'm sure as training camp goes on, you're going to find out. Yep. I mean, he's left tackle, right? Yes. Ideally, he'd want that in his right foot so yes. he can at least, yeah. So you can at least plant, because it's your plant leg. You don't want it on the leg that you're supposed to kick slide with. Correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, for our sake, we hope it's left, but still is, yeah. Quinn and Williams, foot injury. Again, by the same mainstream outlets being listed as questionable for the start of training camp. He's a guy who's he was as a guy who watched his entire career at Alabama. I think he was a little bit miscast or misused under his previous defensive coordinators, and yet he was still dominant, which tells you what a ta- what a talent he is. And now they're going to put him in that four three defense and essentially have him playing the same role as our Ed Oliver, in that he's going to be asked to play a penetrating three technique defensive uh, tackle role, which I think he's going to excel at. But then I see him pop up on the injury report with a foot injury. Defensive tackles, again, big, heavy guys, problems with their feet. That usually doesn't end well. Have you seen or read or do you have anything on that? I mean, it, of any significance? I mean, they said he would miss OTA's minicamp, which he did. Uh, they had said that he was going to be sidelined for 8 to 10 weeks. The good news is that he'll be healthy in time for training camp. Okay. We don't know what exactly which bone he broke, but I'm willing to bet it was some type of a... Um, metatarsal, which is one of the long bones in the foot there, yeah. kind of like your fingers. Uh, any other ones like the Jones fracture and navicular or some of the other ones would have been a lot longer and we would have had more details about it. So, or he would have potentially had a corrective surgery associated with yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, the small bone, I mean, all the bones are small in the foot relatively. <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly. I didn't see exactly, and they're not going to tell us, but they said eight to ten weeks. I mean, it's going to take you know some time for it to heal up and then get back rehabbing. So it's not something that's going to affect him for the season, but that's unfortunate. The one upside is at least he injured at the facility, which is not going to be a problem. He's not going to be like that uh, guy from Denver uh, where he you know, trains on his own, and then he's missing the entire year because of Achilles. So. Oh, Jesus. See, now you and me could probably have a, an hour conversation on our own just about your thoughts and that dynamic of training on your own versus training at an NFL facility. How much safer is it really? That'd be a, a fun conversation to have. We would just need one more element for that conversation Mark Smith, the Rockpile Report attorney. 
and the the talk, he can talk to us con- about contact yeah. and contract. Kyle work. talk about the training and then Mark talking about the legal ramifications of that guy in Denver. He's he's got a point. I mean, as bad as Mark's tastes in food and drinks and <laughs> everything in life is, he he does no contracts. Hey, hey, he married a great woman. Yes, he did. Yes. He, he has at least he has good taste in women. Yes, that's about it. That's all yes. he's got going for him. And you know, from what I've seen, he's a good lawyer. He helped me uh, get that contract set up with the game day, so I wasn't getting screwed over. So I was like, all right, you're, you're, you're all right, my book. That is true. Look at this: the Rockpile Report attorney, Mark Smith, <laughs> coming through in the cl- coming through in the clutch. And th- so Quinn and Williams. Well, one of the interesting things about that is that it it does rob him of time. And when you're a player that's switching schemes, that's kind of important, especially because when you look at in college, it's not like he's going from a four three role back to you know what I mean. He was asked to play kind of a they they run that kind of phalanx defense that you see in New England. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think Bill Belichick and Nick Saban get along so well is they have that same kind of defensive mind. They want this multiple front defense with players who are very multifaceted. Um, it's it's why Christian Barmore. It's, I think it's why he was so sought after by the Patriots because they were just like, he's a guy who can play in multiple defensive fronts, which is what we are constantly trying to be. Quentin Williams is in that same mold. But he played a lot of like a 3-4 style defensive end in college. Now you're bringing him in. It's, a, it, it's easier to, in some degrees, but then you look at some guys who couldn't make the jump, like Quentin Jefferson mm-hmm. last year for the Bills. He just didn't make the same impact, probably because the, the learning curve was a little steeper than I think both the player and the team thought it would be. I'm, there's a potential there for Quinton Williams to start a little bit slow, even with all of his natural talent, if he misses a significant portion of the installation period of the offense, especially if he hasn't been running and conditioning and doing all these things that he probably missed out on during minicamp and OTAs and all these other things. The last one is Ronald Blair. When I looked at this, I said, who the hell is that? Well, exactly. And that alone should kind of underscore where the Jets are on the injury front for what feels like the first time in forever. He's a depth player that Salah loves. He brought him from San Francisco, brought him to the Jets. He's made impacts as a rotational defensive end for him in the past in terms of both a pass rusher and a run defender. But he missed all of 2020 because he didn't bounce back quickly enough from a, pr- a previous knee injury in 2019. So he tore his ACL in 2019, like midway through the season. I think it was like week seven. And then he started the season in 2020 on the pup list and then had another uh, procedure done to clean up things in the knee. There wasn't specifics as to what he had done, but I had actually reached out to somebody who follows the 49ers, um, another PT, and he said that it was done by a non-49ers doctor. So you got to wonder if maybe they just said, let's get somebody in here that's just not affiliated with the team. The agent might have pushed for this. Let's get this thing cleaned up. I, who knows what it was. Maybe there's some uh, laxity in the knee. Maybe there was some... I, I don't know. There, there's so many different things that can go wrong. I've had people with, with ACL tears that the knee just doesn't bounce back and they need to tighten things back up in there. So who knows what exactly happened, but he missed the entire 2020 season. And he's missing half of 2019. So he's a year and a half out of football, and he's, what, 28. I mean, his clock is ticking whether yeah, he's going to he, be around. You're, you're nearing the end of your physical peak. So his translation, I mean, I understand what he represents in terms of depth and what he's playing, but look at Trent. Trent Murphy said it, I think, best. 
His first season in Buffalo after missing a season because of a torn ACL, he said that that first year he was only playing at 70-something percent. Yep. It took him another full year into 2019 to really feel like himself. And even then, he was still kind of spotty at best. I think that's more the player than the injury, but still. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's one of those things where when you see that from a player, it's reasonable to question what Ronald Blair, what his value is. Mm-hmm. Because if he's been that far removed from the game of football, now you're going, into, you're going back into a scheme you recognize, but also you haven't played mm-hmm. that long. And you haven't had the – and unlike, you know, I started Lotulule, perfect example, away from football for a year, but he can at least keep himself in shape. And actually in the training videos in the run-up to this, he looked like he was in pretty good shape. Correct. Which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But Didn't the Jets – did they revamp their medical staff when well, they brought Sala in? No, they did not. They I, did I not. looked into all this here. We can get this in a second. I want to add something else about Blair before we get to that part, though. Um, may I? Yeah. All right. So the Jeff Mueller. Yours, That's why you're here. So Jeff Mueller, he, he, he does more fantasy-related stuff. He's become a good friend, and he follows the 49ers. He works for DL Football and Destination Devi, and he's a smart dude like most of the guys that, that I interact with. This is what he said about Blair. Uh, once again, he was surprised that Blair was no longer with the 49ers. He thought the Bills scooped him up. But he said, I'd say he was a solid rotational defensive end to have on hand. Worked his way up after being a late-round draft pick and practice squad stash for a while. At best, he'll be a veteran presence, rotational guy on limited snaps with the Jets, if I had to guess. If, and it was capital if, he can make the solid return from two surgeries. He's 28 or 29-2. So this, everything's stacked against him. I mean, he can. He's a solid guy. We've seen that happen with every team. They bring their guys over. They have an up on the guys that are returning. But still, there's no guarantee that he's going to make this roster. But the fact that he's coming over from a system he knows is at least a chance to make it. So are there any other players? Like Those are the big names. But are there any other players with maybe recurring issues or that have had long-term health issues that you look at on the Jets roster that stand out to you? I want to go back to Mikai Becton for a second, just because uh, I know we're talking about uh, some of the stuff he was dealing with. He was dealing with left shoulder injury last year. Um, I, I know Adam Gase was cagey about saying what it was, but he had possible labrum tear. He was wear, wearing the brace on his left shoulder, which is going to be big for a left tackle, and he didn't get repaired from what I saw. There is concern that he could re-injure it. I mean, the rates to re-tear when it's not surgically repaired is anywhere from 40 to 55 percent of recurrence non-operatively versus 13 to 26 percent post-surgical. Now, I'm sure he rehabbed the hell out of that shoulder, but we saw how bad they managed Osemele with his shoulder injury last year before. Yeah. And it's the same training staff and they've been in place for a while now. So it's like, is Salah going to see how things go like McDermott did and then get rid of them? Because they've had problems and this, the, you know, the Osemele thing isn't a one-off thing. You know, we saw that they were pushing their, their uh, rookies out there uh, quickly and trying to get them to play, which I understand you want to develop guys, but you see this labrum tear. Is this guy going to go down with another injury? And he's going to do everything he can not to be injured, but all it takes is a bad hit or you fall down funny and suddenly that thing goes. So Or he throws a defensive lineman five yards. Too aggressively? Yeah. Yeah, he, he's just a savage too aggressively. No, that's and that's a great point that you make here. And it's one of the things that when I so, – so if we're talking about the big picture for the New York Jets, right – On June 15th, head coach Robert Sala comes out and says that he expects every Jet who is recovering from injury to be ready in time for training camp. He said, he went so far as to explicitly state that he doesn't think they will have any candidates for the pup list. It's possible. I mean, I was when I was doing a lot of research for this, I mean, it took forever to get through the Jets stuff. Like the Dolphins stuff was okay, Patriots stuff. 
And there's, there's not some, a lot out there for the Jets. No, there's a ton of stuff out there. There was a ton of like depth, like I could find stuff, but the number of injuries was insane. I, like it takes up like a whole like Google Docs page, which I mean, whatever. But it just seems like they had so many injuries, and it's not like they lost a season because of injuries like the Bills had in the past. It's they sucked and they were just injured so bad too. I'm like, oh yeah, last season their team was decimated by injury, but. There again, we've talked about this, and this is why I think it's important, and you nailed it, Kyle. This is why, I let Chris, this is why we bring smart people onto the podcast, because I'm dumb, and I didn't know to make this point. There's a, there's a difference here. You watch Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott comes in and replaces the training staff here in Buffalo. Yep, right after a year. And after that first year, he doesn't like the way things go. He cleans house because he's seen the history. And then he had his own, but he said, hey, listen, I'll give it my own experience. I want to see it. And things got immediately better on the injury front for the Buffalo Bills. And in fact, what was it? I think this past year, our uh, head trainer. This was, year before. He was named, named for an award. Like, like strength conditioning head, trainer Strength for and the conditioning year. coach of the year. Our training facility is top notch. Sure. But it's the staff and it's the people who put these regimens together that matter. And the Jets have a group that have proven that not only are they... Because pro- you could see injuries and go, well, it's not all the staff's fault. Sure. Correct. Maybe yeah. you're just snake bit. But when you have a player like Kalechi Osemele, mm-hmm. an NFL veteran who's been around the league for years, whose agents know... His agents know him as a player, but also he's no stranger to how teams work. Literally get into a fight with the team over how they're handling their player... And what the so far is the discipline? I'm like, he's yeah, injured. This is a problem. There is a problem in New York, in New York, and they opted, New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey, <laughs> and they opted not to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I think that big picture, the Jets are going into this training camp relatively healthy. But the question is, if you have the same people who did, who designed last year's just bomb. Just bomb of a training program that led to so many injuries and who mishandled so many situations. How long until they do it again? It, it kind of makes you it gives you a dim view of what their upshot is, right? Right, right. It's just scary when you see. I mean, I think I was looking up before just to make sure. On uh, it's called uh, PFATS, uh, which is the Professional Football Athletic Trainers Society, and they have all the credentials of every the head head athletic trainer, PTs, anybody else associated with it. The head guy has been there since 2006. I mean, he's been there through I don't know how many coaching staffs. I mean, at, at those guys, those levels, they're all freaking smart. They may they may look. They make everybody look like an idiot around them but because they're so smart. But if they've been around that long, they're doing something right. However, at some point, you got to say, okay, these guys aren't being healthy. We're dealing with things improperly. Maybe it's time for you to move on. You've been here too long. I don't know if that's the case for the Jets, but after seeing the stuff with Assembly and then seeing how they treated Beckton, who's supposed to be the franchise left tackle, I would hope that, you know, is this a GM thing where they're not wanting to deal with it or is it a medical thing? I mean, you know, but... I- like you said, everybody else is pretty healthy coming in. I mean, um, well, C.J. Mosley is the other guy I was kind of worried about just because he sat out last year. So, Well, and here's the thing, and this is the big picture if we're talking about that, the upshot for this team, is that, sure, right now you're healthy. Also, your depth is what the depth of a two-win football team the previous season looks like. They're in the same position Miami was in the year that they tanked for Tua, 
and then came back and tried to remake the roster, that's fine. Miami went into last year with high hopes that, hey, we, we're not going to suck as bad as we did. What undid their playoff run was that when people in the trenches started to get hurt, they didn't have any depth because you're a team that's rebuilding from being a crappy roster. Knowing that you have a questionable medical staff and that your depth, especially in the trenches where we've talked about it, they already have two of the key pieces of their team with injury concerns going into the season. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't think it looks great. If, if I was a fan, I would not be excited about that aspect of my team. Well, I mean, you're a Jets fan. Can you really be excited? But you Can know. you really be excited about anything? I mean, you live in New Jersey. I mean, hopefully, the, hopefully they the string together. The union hasn't sawed you off like Bugs Bunny and just floated you out into the Atlantic. You should just be thankful for that. Exactly. They, they have to identify who their stars are, get some depth behind them, keep those stars healthy for at least part of the time so you're not getting these rookies right out there right away. And hopefully Salah keeps... Keeps the guys out there that want to be healthy. Or not want to be healthy. Everybody wants to be healthy. <laughs> but hopefully he takes better care of the guys that Gase did. Because Gase was like cagey about things. They are fighting with them. And just – so hopefully he's more of an advocate saying, okay, you're hurt. You're not going to be as beneficial a team. Let's get somebody out there who can. But hopefully they just don't get hit so hard. I mean, they got a lot of their, in, their rookies out there early on dealing with injuries. And it just wasn't pretty. I mean, I think yeah. half the rookie class last year was dealing with some type of injury because they were being pushed out there too soon. Well, I mean, I think we can join most of the Jets fans who might listen to this podcast in raising a glass to the departure of Adam Gase. I mean, for as much as I think that it might be, cheers, boys, as much as I think that it might, uh, everyone goes, no, you want them to have a crappy coach. Yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> that's like, Chris, that's like when, when you're an upper division team playing a, a lower division team in hockey. And mm-hmm. you just know you're outclassing them. For as long as he was there, those wins over the Jets, yeah, they, they still feel good because they're wins, but they don't because you know they're being run by a clown show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, if we're going to move on from that segment, this whiskey. It is good stuff. I'm, I'm proud of that selection. Great stuff. You made a great pick with that. I wish I would have gotten the bigger bottle. Like I'm saying, guys, go check it out. Dark Island. Dark Island, the River Blues batch out of Alexandria Bay, New York. This stuff is great. Now, do they have a distillery set up down there? I believe so, yeah. Like, they had a whole bunch of other stuff. They had... They had, they had they probably four to five, four or five different kinds. They had some wines there. It was, it was a nice setup in there. Chris, can you just imagine me being turned loose in the Thousand Islands with a great, with a great hookup for bourbon? <laughs> yeah, you might not come back. 
I digress. Here's what I'll say. The New York Jets are in bad shape. <laughs> Put maybe their coach, maybe their coach handles it better. They can't get any worse. They I can't get worse. Afford, so yeah. maybe the coach is the impetus of change in that front. That is yet to be seen. Now, we move on to the Miami Dolphins, where there's no question who their head coach is and what he's about in Brian Flores. And the Miami Dolphins, last year, the big question was Tua Tagovailoa. You know, they draft him, and the question is, oh, the hip injury, this, that, that. By all accounts, Tua is healthy, ready to go. Those questions can be left behind. And then they go out and they spend a top draft pick on another Alabama player with a season-ending injury. Am I taking crazy pills? Who who makes these decisions? So the first person that I have to ask about is Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddell. Now, I saw the play. Okay, I'm watching it. It's a kick return. Waddell comes out of the end zone. He runs about 10 yards. He's in the middle of making a cut, and you just see this thing break. And it it's one of those things where as an Alabama fan, I just go, you you just as a human being first, you flinch a little bit. You're like, God, that, that just happened on live TV. And you go, well, I'm not going to see him again. He's gone, like immediately. That's how, we, that's how terrible that, that break was. And then they suited him up, I think, kind of for show, like they did Landon Dickerson. They suited him up for the national title game. They actually let Landon Dickerson go take the final snap. I just saw your eyes. Total aside, how do you feel about that? I thought that was really stupid. I understand why those guys wanted to. <laughs> I know Dickerson was pushing for He won 10 plays at one point, which I thought was insane. <laughs> and Waddell, I, I know he wanted to play because he was close enough healthy, but he clearly was 100%. At some point, you have to, as a medical staff, say, I have to protect the player. I know you want to play. I know you want to be out there. But you have an NFL future. You have lots more playing time to or time to get out there. Like, don't go do something stupid. I mean, it just – I saw that. I was like – why yeah, you the hell are you ruin your that? bank account? Yeah, but 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 as a but as a guy who had like six beers, seven beers, watching that game, do you know how hard I started fist pumping when I saw Landon Dickerson walk out there? I mean, that was a roll tide. I want to roll tide all over your apartment right now. Just thinking about it. I mean, thankfully it was just the last play, and they, that's that was a compromise they made. But I'm just like the ceremonial kneel down, Landon. We'll give it to you. I just when they did that, but you know, once again, those guys are smarter and they they knew the risk. But however, they still should have said no. You have a serious somewhere. Injury. Greg Schiano's rubbing his hands together, going, "Oh baby, if you gave me a shot at that guy, right, right, <laughs> that dirtbag." But so anyway, Jalen Waddell, he comes into this offseason and there's already discrepancies amongst the the beat reporters and who's saying what. And the fan base is arguing because you've got some of the writers who came away from OTAs saying, well, we saw Waddell limping around. Like, we watched him, and he doesn't look like a guy who's healthy. And then you have other guys who go, no, 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 no. He's 100% fine. You guys, did, you guys didn't see what you thought you saw. And the fan base, depending on how, whether they're mad at the team or whether they don't like the local media, Tend to just go to war on their behalf on social media, which for me, I'll sit back and watch it all day. Sometimes I'll throw some barbs in there because I like throwing fuel on other people's fires. But <sighs> there's something to this, right? Like you as a writer wouldn't put your reputation in line by saying, I saw our rookie, dra- our, our highly drafted rookie limping around a football field. I, unless you saw that. 
Correct. I have to say that. I know some of the Dolphins beat writers do kind of, I don't want to say elaborate, but they they get a little... Exaggerate? Well, exaggerate. They take liberties. Liberties. That's the right word I want to say. So they take liberties and get a little more creative with what they're seeing, what they interpret versus what's really out there. And that's, that can mislead people, which can be scary. I have one guy in, in mind who I'm not going to say, but it's just like you read the stuff and you're like, you're really getting out there without any like You don't background. have anything to back this yes, up, but yes. you're going to say it just to yep. get attention. And that's what it was. And okay. I'm like, I'm like, come on, dude. But either way, whether regardless whether he was limping or not, I, I was counting out how what how many weeks it was or not, excuse me, weeks, months. And he did this in October, and it was what, June. So you're looking at eight or nine months. He's still not 100% recovered from it. It takes nine to 12 months for the injury that he had. What um, was the exact injury? Uh, let me get this here. Uh, so he broke his fibula, um, distal fibula. And let me just see where it was. Because I, I did this article, but cover one. So if you want to yep. look in the details, I detailed the hell out of this thing. So um, Kyle Trimble, coverone.net. Yes. So, I mean, just looking back, he, he, he broke the, the distal fibula. Um, and then they also had a sprain in addition to the fracture, which had been a high ankle sprain. So he had the tightrope procedure, too. Ooh, now, two has had two of those, one in each ankle, which, yeah. again, is terrifying because I don't know what that is. What are the long-term ramifications? Like, how long does that last? I mean, they're Nobody saying knows because it's new and it's, it's, it's experimental. Uh, I mean, it's becoming more commonplace. They're seeing it do done more and more in NFL athletes, and it's becoming more accepted as this is the proper okay. way because it, it's a far, far lot, far better than the previous one. They put a bunch of screws in there, and it's a long recovery. Jesus. So even if it doesn't last as long, the body's still going to actually heal up and, and take care of what it needs to. So I favor this. I think it's a lot better procedure than the previous one. See, when you get easy, I love how you talk about this so casually. You're like, well, you know, putting a wire through your bones and putting yourself back together. It's better than screws into your leg. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what. I told my wife the other day, I'm never going under the knife. You're never putting me under. Why? Because none of the, the, the I, no, I would, I'll walk it off. And she's like, what happens if it's, well, what happens if it's appendicitis? And I was like, well. You know, I've had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it'll, it'll burst, you'll get sepsis, you'll die, and hopefully have a nice life insurance policy. Well, I do. <laughs> Listen, Kyle, you know me. I, I, to, to placate my wife, I pretty much had to have a nice life insurance policy. But in any event, so he's had these procedures. What does that do for a wide receiver, though, with this injury, coming back off, missing all this time, entering a season where your game is speed? Your game is speed. It's not size. It's not catch radius. It's not all the. It's speed. Speed and agility. When you see this kind of recovery time, like you're saying, he's not 100% recovered. What's the upshot for him entering training camp this year? I mean, he's going to be that much closer to a year out. Most of the guys that do suffer this injury do return and do quite well. It's just a matter of time thing. And then, like they said, he might have been limping. He might have been dealing with a little bit of pain. Might have been dealing with a little swelling. But I have no concerns about him heading into the season. He's going to be fine. I mean, he's been doing the rehab, everything he needs to. The fact that he returned 11 weeks after the initial injury to even play, and he was limping around out there, but he was able to play, he's going to be fine for the season. There's no, really little risk to injury because he has a tightrope in there. He has the plates. It just He's probably got more of a difficult time adjusting to the pro game due to just the, the scheme and rather than the actual injury. Okay, so you're saying that actual acclimation to the NFL is worse than this injury. Correct. Could hinder him. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, good. If you're a Dolphins fan, 
Bully for you guys, because that was the one thing that I was looking at, and I'm, I'm going, ah, they spent more draft capital on a guy who... Mm, he, he's talented, injury. and the Dolphins didn't reach to get him. I mean, maybe no, he could have didn't. fell a little bit, but it's not like he would have been in the second no. round. No, for but. sure. Well, and they, that's why the Greg Rousseau argument for the Bills. I'm like, well, he wouldn't have been available, and if they liked him, then you'd take him. Yeah. That's how that works. No, I, I like the pick, and they, they did a good job, and I think he should produce. I mean, rookie wide receivers, you know, how well do they really produce? However, I have no concerns with them. So, I mean, Dolphins fan, they're freaking about, hey, he's going to be fine. Aline, I'm actually more concerned about their other first-round draft pick. I mean, if you want to go to Landon Roberts next or um, Jalen well, Phillips, but. Well, no, that's okay. So, let's follow your lead. Okay. Who else do you want to talk about here? I mean, Jalen Phillips. I was more concerned about that. I didn't want to touch that guy. He had a procedure who I haven't seen anything professionally, like professional football players, anything else that what he had. He basically had the, the three carpal bones that articulate with the wrist taken out. Like, so you have a bunch of carpal bones. What do you mean taken out? Like, he had a severe injury. He was riding, I think, a moped. Like, what guy rides a moped or a scooter or whatever he's doing? <laughs> what man rides a moped? Right, right. Cra- so, Honestly, though, if you're thinking I mean, riding a moped, that was official. I have it in the article. Okay. Over a cover one as well. Now, now, when I hear that, I think Dodgeball and I think White Goodman and I feel like on a moped, he would look like Michel look like. Yep. Just this yep. hulking giant on a moped. Yeah. Like that, that whole scenario to me is hysterical. Yeah. He, he had what was called a proximal row carpectomy, where they take out the last three um, bones of the carpals, and it, it simplifies the wrist motions of the, the joint. Um, but they're no just, one's ever had that done. I can't say no one's ever had that done, but there hasn't been any research to show, like, professionally how it's going to impact them. I mean, think about the things he has to do with that wrist coming around the edge there. Is this going to give, give him problems? I know he played, um, you know, through at, at Miami. Actually, he was out. He, I mean, the so concussions he, were the thing that scared everybody. This is new. Yeah. I've never heard this before, and it's actually scarier to me because everyone knows. Chris. You played defensive end. Now, you're not an X's and O's guy, but you understand the importance of hands. You get a hand fight with a tackle. You got to put your hand in the ground. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you have to use your hands and wrists for as a defensive end. This actually worries me more than the concussion history ever did. I'd say they're pretty even right now. We'll see what how it affects him once he gets in the pros here. But, I mean. This injury would scare me more than a JPP injury. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> One idiot. Oh, that's why I love our podcast. We have the freedom to say and just do some wild. Jesus Christ, Chris. Yeah. All right. So, Landon Roberts, he got destroyed in like the what week 11, 12. No, no. That was, was very, later. very later. Yeah. No, it was the Raiders game. It was the Raiders game like week 16, yeah. right before yep, they played was. the Buffalo Bills. Yep. He gets carted off the field. There's no way he's going to be ready to play anytime soon. And he's one of he's kind of this veteran that they kept and then somehow let Kyle Van Noy go. Right. Like, sure, whatever. But you know better than me, Brian Flores. But so he has no shot at being ready. I mean, when you look around the rest of the roster, are there any players with recurring injuries or injury histories that would concern you? Well, actually, going back to Roberts real quick, that we don't know what it was, but he said, I was reading up on him, he sounds like he's going to be ready, like he thinks he's going to be. Now, whether the team doctors think that, but, they were, you know, if it was a torn MCL, it could have been meniscus. It would be known if it was an ACL, so we know that. So it was probably some type of meniscus where he had to get cleaned up. He could be ready. It just depends on how his recovery is going, but um, okay. he, there's enough time, if it was a meniscus, for him to fully recover. Um, but like I said, if it was ACL, we would know 
that that's always publicly revealed information. Unless oh, yeah. Some scrub there. But going to other players with recurring injury histories, Preston Williams is a guy who's not been able to stay healthy since he's entered the league. He was a UDFA coming out of, I think it was Colorado State. And he was, everyone loves him down there. If you, yeah. talk, if you talk to Dolphins fans, they think at first they thought he was the next Antonio Brown, but he hit his stride like a year ago. And then he gets hurt. Yeah. He had an ACL tear in 2019 and a foot injury, which there wasn't a ton of details with that in 2020. I think he was doing a touchdown dance. He was doing something stupid, and he hurt his foot. He had surgery on But they were real cagey and real quiet, and they wouldn't, I think it took like a month to really reveal that he had surgery at all. So he seems to be healthy before you can even depend on him. I mean, if you're a fantasy yeah. guy, I just, nah. Oh, if you're fantasy football and if you're a Buffalo Bills fan and you're looking at this going, oh, the Miami Dolphins, their wide receiver core stacked. Is it, though? How, how many weeks? <laughs> Like if, if he plays well, great. You got something there. But, like, he has to prove something through a half, more than half a season before I can say, hey, he's somebody worth, you know, counting on week in and week out. But if we're talking about injury histories and wide receivers, I feel like the, the number one with a bullet would be Will Fuller. Correct. <laughs> so, Will Fuller. He's healthy. He was healthy for almost all of last year. Yeah, I was actually surprised when I was going back and look at that. Yep. So what do you think his, of him in this offense and just him in general? What are the odds? What are the odds that he stays healthy? It's hard to say because those hamstring strains have followed him all throughout his um, career. He had the torn ACL, and then hamstring injuries usually continue following you for a little bit after that, initially after the injury. And he also had a growing injury at some point and you know, knee injuries. It's just He's just beat up, and I know he plays a physical position, but that doesn't, you know. Well, I'll tell you what. Sportsinjurypredictor.com. So, Jadavian Clowney, one hundred fifty percent, right? Well, yeah. Jadavian Clowney will forever be the reigning champion of SportsInjuryPredictor dot com because the man has literally never been healthy, Correct. never Correct. in his professional career, and yet somebody, some hack team, some group of clowns, <laughs> saw fit to shell out a bunch of cash for his services. But not far behind him is Will Fuller. If you go to sportsinjurypredictor.com and look at his profile, his chance of injury in 2021 based on his history and the types of injuries is 89%. It wasn't too far off. And when you look at the, because what they do is they say, here's his complete injury history. And I have to scroll and scroll and scroll to get to the end of it. It's not good. And it's all soft tissue injuries. Correct. And that's actually what brought us together, you and I. Yes. Researching soft tissue injuries. And Will Fuller is probably a case study in and of himself as far as how soft tissue injuries are accumulated in the game of football and what reduced practice time has played a role in that. Because in college, he was durable as hell. Yeah. And then he hit the NFL and his health failed him and he just fell apart. There's a multitude of issues. I mean, you don't know what the we, – we have an idea what the training staff was like in, in Houston because we talked about that last time I was on the podcast with yep. regards to their training offseason, um, though that was an older program that they had. Um, it, my concern is he's down in Florida heat. We know that it can, de- can get dehydrated easily. That can you know cause some injuries, especially early on in the season, um, especially in the August, you know, September, October. Um, 
I know the NFL is trying to look at this. They, they recently allocated $4 million to look at a hamstring study, how they can reduce the instance of hamstring tears. I'm sure Will Fuller is one of those guys. Okay, how do we keep this guy healthy? So um, They probably just took him out to lunch. Yeah. They were probably like, hey, we're going to give you $4 million. Just take Will Fuller out to lunch and question him about what he what he thinks can say, I mean, $4 million when you're a multi-billion dollar industry. is nothing. It's nothing. It's like you give me a $20 bill, say so have fun, you know. But. How much of that's window dressing and how much of that's legitimate? Like, are they actually trying to figure out the injury thing or are they doing it to placate the union before the union sues them? No, I think that they actually are trying to figure it out because that, that causes so many issues with, with guys throughout the oh, years. I mean, they, they lose a lot of star potential when somebody's out with a stupid hamstring injury. So you got to look at, they know the science behind things, but are they implementing what they uh, actually know to try to reduce these injuries? Or I'm sure they want just to have a fresh look at, okay, what are we missing? Why are these guys still having injuries and going through besides playing balls to the wall every week here and then through little minor things? So... Um, I do want to note that Will Fuller, he might last a little bit longer in the season. He is going to miss the first game due to suspension because he had, I think it was a PED suspension at the end of the year with Houston. Oh, that's right. How do we, how do you? Okay, so he December 21st, they say he has a hernia. Okay, he misses the regular season finale against the Titans. Uh, playoff game against the Bills in 2019. He plays last year, he's healthy, and then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, you're cheating! Boo! And they suspend you at the end of the year. Does that carry over? I believe so. That's what I was reading. It's oh, in the first Jesus. game. Yeah. So. So what happens? So now he stops taking. So he has one season where he's all put together, and then he gets tested positive for a banned substance. So he stops taking said banned substance. Does he go straight back to the injury abyss? It might. I don't know. I, I mean, mean you, you got to wonder Mer- if there's something to it there. Sean Merriman after that. I mean, you saw that. Yeah. Sean Merriman got busted for PEDs, and when afterwards when the Bills got him, he was nothing. He was no one. He was a shell of what he was, which makes you question how much of his success there did the PEDs. I'm not saying Will Fuller's success as a wide receiver was from the PEDs, mm-hmm. but his health? Yeah. Eh? I mean, the steroids can like help Chris, you recover you quicker. The lay, you was the lay fan. Is it funny that a guy's only healthy season comes when he also gets a steroid suspension? Yeah, seems like it's... That's uh, questionable, right? Yeah. Do the steroids keep you healthy? <sighs> God. It's just a possibility. I hadn't thought about that, but... So the big picture for the Miami Dolphins, okay, when you look at the roster, okay, so they've got two wide receivers with significant injury risk, and yet I'm looking at it now, I mean... This was a team that Elf Artiaga of three yards per carry would come on these AFC's roundup shows and routinely talk to us about how this our whole skill group could be overturned this offseason. He goes, we probably could see 11 new players between wide receivers and running backs. And the team didn't make the drastic sweeping changes that a lot of fans wanted to see. They just didn't. You know, Devontae Parker's still here. Preston Williams. They brought in Robert Foster. They brought in Robert Foster, the cast-off from the Bills, who I think the the biggest credit to him is one game against the Jets that cost Chris a Seagrams. He cost you a Seagrams for a whole season. Yeah, that's with true. With Aaron Quinn. He did burn me. And then 
He had the uh, Josh Allen touchdown on that ridiculous, improbable throw against the Jaguars. Which you were not at the seats for. No! Of course not. I was buying a beer because that was the that was the soup du jour that day. I missed everything. I missed the fist fight. I missed the I missed everything that you pay money to see a game for. But when you look at the makeup of their depth chart, there's no there, there's no new faces added to it that would give you any level of comfortability that they have a dynamic presence behind Preston Williams and Will Fuller. Now, they, they didn't really add anything to it. I was surprised. I was looking through. I, I went through when I was doing the research for this. I looked at all the current injuries from last year. I looked at the guys that they brought in, the draft classes. So I looked at everything. Dolphins, their rookies really didn't get hurt, which was a good sign. Um, and then their guys they brought in for this upcoming year, there just wasn't a ton of guys there. So hopefully they have the depth available that, that – had that year under Flores that can build off that. I mean, looking at pro football reference, their injury history thing isn't really all that bad. There's some red, but... There's... No, but they do well. So maybe their medical <clears throat> staff can keep them healthy. Yeah, they, they were one of the better ones. I was actually... They're, they're actually decent. If they can have the luck they had last year, they could actually put together another decent season. But ultimately, what you're looking at is a skill position group where your wide receiver core is the same, essentially, except for you added a Jalen Waddell and a Will Fuller, who... As long as one of them's already hurt and he's trying to come back, one of them is a ticking time bomb for injury, and the guy behind them in Preston Williams, he's also a bomb waiting to explode. I just feel like you're building this roster at the skill positions of a lot of fault lines. Correct. I'm I'm not a fan of that approach, but hey, you do what you want. Not my roster. I'd hitch my wagon to Waddell and and yes. the other one, yeah. And this is it. So they're hoping that that early synergy and his hopefully, hopefully he can show a little durability. And maybe their medical staff, unlike the New York Jets, has some acumen. Maybe they have, maybe they understand what's at stake and they have a little bit better feel for the players and they can manage these things better because we've never seen them have any public issues regarding injury, regarding handling of injuries. No. And Jalen Phillips, again, that's a a player they drafted highly. When you look at their pass rush depth, they've got a little bit of that. You know, they they have Emmanuel Ogbos coming back. They've got, uh, what, Jalen Phillips gets drafted. There's not a lot of impact players, but they're they're, they're not going to be slouches. They're not lost if Jalen Phillips has issues or if Jalen Phillips misses time. It's not like their whole defense falls apart because he's not there. Correct. So in that way, they're actually built well enough to sustain that. Now, the other team besides the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots. Now, there's a team where Chris can attest to this. I've actually, and I, I always say, I never root for anything bad to happen to anyone during a football game because they're all athletes. They're out there learning. This is just a hobby for me. It's something I love, but... I don't want to. That guy has a family. He has kids. He has. Chris, how many things have you heard me wish against Tom Brady when he played for the New England Patriots? A bunch. Kyle, can you second that? I can second that. Okay, so now we're all in record. I, I do sometimes wish injury on people. Usually the New England Patriots is the team that I'm doing it for. And last year, that actually came to fruition without me having to say it because Cam Newton was their quarterback. <laughs> so with that in mind, I want to take a look at these guys. At the top, Jonu Smith, probably their prize free agent acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Every Bills fan was out there licking their chops, rubbing their hands, going, man, if we could only get a tight end like Jonu Smith. And then the Patriots sign him. 
And he comes out of OTAs and minicamp with a hamstring tweak that everyone goes, well, it's, it's not that big a deal. When you look at his injury history, does, is there anything there to suggest that he's not able to just bounce back from that? No, he's been really, he's been really durable. He has season-ending M- MCL injury in 2018. He missed one game last year. He's been really good. So say he has a hamstring injury during OTAs and uh, mandatory minicamp when you're ramping up for two or three days. It's like, okay, whatever. Just make sure that you start that ramp-up period before you get to camp and still you're not trying to go, you know, balls the wall right away. So he's been real good. I have no concerns with him. I mean, that's that's a nice pickup by New England. Um, and I don't see him having a lot of problems. There's no, really no soft tissue stuff in his history from what I've found. Now, Stephon Gilmore, former Buffalo Bills Stephon Gilmore. I, I, I'm torn on to, as to whether this is just a contract ploy or, <laughs> or whether this is legitimate. But if it's legitimate this quad injury that he's been diagnosed with. And he did miss some games down the stretch last year. He had surgery. He had surgery. So what do you think of Stephon Gilmore ahead of this season, knowing what he's currently dealing with? Well, we know from the research, there's no drop off in play once you have the surgery. So whether he, yeah, whether he did tweak something, I mean, it it can, I mean, it could have been unrelated to the surgery. Um, I even put in there in bold in my notes. I'd be more concerned about the contract than his health. That was my thought, and we, you know, I didn't even tell you that before I walked in here. So I, it might be a contract thing, and it probably is with how he's acted over his career. Um, but in regards to his performance on the field, he's going to continue being an elite cornerback, you know, candidate for defensive player of the year. So it's probably just a contract thing, and he has. I mean, he, he's definitely played his way into earning something type of extension or whatever, whether... Well, and I can see it from his perspective. He's going, look, I got hurt last year and needed surgery, and I did it while playing for a team that sucked. Correct. And that's the first time since he... I mean, I mean, you're talking about a guy who just won a Super Bowl. He just won a Super Bowl two years ago. He's like, this is what being a New England Patriot is supposed to feel like. I come here, I win football games. I do my job well. Get seen on national TV. Get seen on national TV. I get paid a lot of money, and I win football games. This is the dream. I'm living the dream. It's like Chris when he married Shannon, and he goes, I married a girl who's way out of my league. This is the dream. I'm living it. And then six months in, you go, wait a minute, this is a goddamn nightmare. Wait a minute, what happened to this thing that I thought was the dream? Because I'm watching Tom Brady leave town. And then I'm watching them put Cam Newton in who can't throw a crossing route seven yards downfield. No matter how hard we sell out on defense, our offense can't score enough points to win a lot of games. What's happening here? (laughs) I love the look on your face. Great analogy. (laughs) Although she didn't, like, make any good choices, you know, (laughs) for for NFL context. I mean, she decided to leave me for... Somebody that has a similar personality and skill set of Ray Carruth. <laughs> the hilarious part is, people, he's not wrong. The man has a criminal record. I, he and I have had words. It's been a thing. We could, we, we could talk about that later. If anybody wants to know the juicy details, rockpowerreport716 at gmail.com. Just email me. I'll tell you the whole story. It's hysterical. <laughs> so in any event, 
Stephon Gilmore looks at this team and goes, what am I putting it on the line for? Because now I've been hurt for the first. Well, he had the wrist surgery with Buffalo. Yeah. And you saw him check out after that. Oh, yeah. He, he goes, was playing. It wasn't playing scared, but he was just kind of like. No, I'm he's like, what am I doing? Yes. What am I doing? I'm hurting myself trying to play for this football team that's not good. They're not going anywhere. Then he goes to New England, wins a title, and then immediately they start to circle the drain. And he goes, well, why am I playing hurt? What am I playing for? It starts to tell you a little bit about, about what his view of football is. And just in general, what... But hey, he's not wrong. It's just, hey, I need to be highly paid for what I'm doing. Especially if I'm going to sit here on another bad football team and, and potentially risk my health for not winning the division, not going to a Super Bowl. You're going to have to pay me a premium to do that. That sounds like the Bills about 10 years ago. to overpay guys to keep yes. them around. Yes. And so now you look at that and you wonder how much of this is just uh, this injury, quote-unquote, stuff. And uh, I bet you when training camp starts, he won't be available. He might even show up just on principle. But even then, it'll be, oh, well, he's rehabbing away from the team. It's going to be a mess, and I can't wait to see it. And their training staff has been around a long time, too. Like, they've been there yes. since, I think, 2002. So it's not like they're trying to manage somebody new coming no. in. No! This, this is a tenured training staff that has overseen the NFL's premier dynasty. Yep. The best dynasty in league history. Now, if there's players with recurring injury or injury histories that might be concerning, it starts with Cam Newton, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that. So he breaks his hand in practice. And they say he's not, or breaks a finger or does something. And they say he's done throwing until. I thought it was just a contusion, but maybe I didn't look into this well, enough. I, I, saw, thought... I, I saw a break slash, <laughs> I saw a bone bruise. Somebody else referred to it as a break. I, that, that's a distinct difference between a bone oh, bruise. Oh, for sure. And a You're fracture. the medical expert. Yeah. I'm just the idiot with so, the in my hand. <laughs> but that, that might be just a little, you know, people taking liberties is what it is because they know break, bone bruise, that's going to get clicks versus a contusion. Yeah. He probably just got hit. And because I think he did come back later and was. Still practice. Okay. So. I mean, it didn't fit. I mean, before that, his throwing motion, you saw that. Oh, yeah. That's why, ever, that's why now all of a sudden all the NFL network personalities have changed their tune because they saw him throwing passes to uncovered wide receivers in the end zone and he's overthrowing them. It's like, that guy's, he's against air. How did you not hit him? Oh, my God. So, Cam Newton. What, what does he have for his career now? A shoulder injury, a foot injury, all the significant same season. ones. Yeah. All in the same season. What, he had a abdominal injury last year, which was minor. It's because he had a romper too tight. Yes. <laughs> What's the likelihood that Cam Newton could stay healthy for a full NFL season? I Just actually, based on the history here. I actually like his chances because, I mean, you go back and look at 2011 to 2018, <clears throat> he'd only missed more than two games in one season. That was in 2014 and 2018. So, I mean, he'd been really durable up to that That's point. Fair. And then he had the foot injury, which... They should have shut him down early on. They let him keep trying to play through it, play through it. And then he ended up having the shoulder injury at some point, too, which was, a, I think, if I recall correctly, a partial rotator cuff tear. They got it repaired. So he's never really healthy. Then he walks into New England and doesn't have time to build rapport with these guys. And you got to wonder how much he was working. I mean, these guys are always in shape, but, like, how much was he really pushing himself, especially coming after the rotator cuff injury? So he never really had time to gel with his um, targets. I expect a rebound from Cam Newton. I mean, I could be dead wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I could see him bounce back based off of the history. And you don't go from MVP and you know durable as hell to just falling off a cliff. I mean, maybe if you get to thirty-eight, forty. I mean, but though 
he's still in the prime. I want to say the prime of his career, but he's still on a window where you can still excel. So when you look at the Patriots roster as a whole, what injury concerns do like players that you go, oh, well, that guy, he's got a, mm, I don't like that, or I don't like his proclivity to maybe re-injury or that he's been injury prone. Who jumps out to you? Sony Michelle. That guy's only around because he's on a rookie contract. <laughs> he's not getting a second contract. That knee is just falling apart. I mean, it's, it's a shame because he's talented back, but he has, he just spin the wheels until his contract. So is he in the final year of his contract? Is he, he's I feel like this has to be his last year because he was drafted when Josh Allen was drafted. Yeah, and then they won the Super Bowl his rookie year, and then it's been kind of going down. The, the only yeah. reason I remember that. He was that. a first-round pick, so yeah, they've, had, they've had to have declined his fifth-year option. The only reason I know that is because I remember being hung over in Jamaica for the second, after, after partying, after being angrily naked out on a balcony on the roof of the, like, this is what you guys don't understand. This is, there's, there's no shtick here. It's just militant love of my Bills football. I'm naked on a balcony screaming about Josh Allen. The the following night is the wedding. I'm trying to kill time in between the wedding and the after party. So I'm down in the like I'm down in the bar area and we're watching the TV and I see us draft Harrison Phillips and I'm like, okay, well that's cool. Like I see our second and third round. We didn't have a second round pick because of the Josh Allen thing. But I watched the Patriots thing, and they're redoing it, and they're going, oh, Sony Michelle. I'm like, wait, the Patriots drafted a running back in the first round? They got Sony Michelle, and at the time I was mad. I'm like, how did they? How did we let them get Sony Michelle? He's been such a good running back. He was the heir to Todd Gurley. I mean, you can say the same thing Kansas City when they drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, holy cow. I mean, granted, they had the Super Bowl, but this is the AFC East podcast. Not, but not, still, same concept, though. But so I see that, and I go, oh, he's going to be great. And then you never heard about him again. Like, he I mean, really has been mediocre for yeah, most of his career. He's, he's had some, you know, spurts of greatness, but not he's not going to get a second contract. And I, I don't know if they, they did. Well, the, I think the time's passed to do the fifth-year fifth option, but I don't think they did pick it up. I mean, he's already been – like, at this point, they have a full running back stable, though. Yep. And that's why when you look at the big picture for the Patriots, this is one of the things that you have to love about them even as much as I hate them, they do a good job of insulating themselves from needing anybody. So you go down, that's fine. We will always have depth. We might not have stars, but we will have bodies that are at least semi-capable that we can throw at a problem. A lot of those bodies last year were rookies, and they got beat up. I mean, they, none of them and were And that's what I want injury. to talk to you about. Yeah. Now, am I just being overly optimistic for the first time in my whole life about the New England Patriots? Maybe. I mean, it just depends on how health is coming back. None of the guys, were, they were just all dealt with a lot of Knicks. They had 10 draft picks, seven which played, and five of the seven were dealing with injuries all year. I mean, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, uh, who were the other guys here? Um, Devin Asai, Justin Heron, Dalton Keene. Those guys were all dealing with significant, well, not significant injuries, but enough time where they could Nagging injuries yeah. that just don't go away. Yeah, so it was just like, so they relied on that, and they, they looked like the Bills, uh, t- you know, 10, 8, 10 years ago, where, like, you had all this promise, some guys go down, and then they have to play these rookies, and they're not ready, and then they just never really have that good development period. So you got to hope that they build the depth up because they were hit hard last year by the opt-outs. You can't, there's nothing they could do about that. So hopefully they have some of the guys that opted out, they come back, they let some of those guys sit a little bit more, get them more in there, the rookies that is, and then try to build them up off of that. And I mean, looking at some of the names outside Duggar and 
I don't know, maybe Uche. I mean, what are some of the other guys going to do? I'm not, I'm not sold on any of the guys, but uh, see, that's I, just how I am in general. So big picture in New England is that they're, you're kind of building a, you're building a team, but your depth isn't what you think it is. Correct. And there was a lot of guys who were hurt last year who you're hoping don't repeat with these nagging injuries. Yes. But the swath of them and just the, just the sheer number of those injuries. That, that's what killed them. It, it really does come under question. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can avoid that. Now we get to I mean, Bill Belichick. He'll ride them into the ground. Even listen, he's the guy at this point in his career from Doctor Strange Love, where he's riding the atomic bomb with a cowboy hat, just waving it around because he's on his way out and he doesn't give a damn. I mean, the, these last like the draft and the way this is all played out last season. Last season, you could probably say he, he could have tanked a couple games. <coughs> they went out and tried to win. They thought that they could make something until they found out they couldn't. And 7 nine's okay. He's not a loser. But, He's yeah. going to keep pushing. The big picture in New England is that your coach is always going to coach as if you're going to win the division and that you're going to the Super Bowl. The difference is that your team might not be built for that, and you might have an injury history that's... <laughs> Too significant for him to coach that way. He's just going to slowly peter out. I mean, you see all the greats. They, they have these sustained, sustained success for a long time, and they just kind of never quite get back to that promise. I mean, you know, Don Shula, he had some good years with Miami toward the end, but he never got back to the Super Bowl. You got Chuck Noll with the Steelers. You got um, – those are the two big ones off the top of my head. But you got these guys who just stick around too long, and they just never quite get back there. I mean, you always want to end on top, but Belichick's going to kind of peter out just like some of the other great ones and just – how it's going to be. I already said it. I'm going to show up and troll his funeral wearing a Jets jersey just so no one blames it on our fan base. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pay his bills podcast. You heard it here first. So we talk about the Buffalo Bills. We're the last team. I wanted to say prior to doing my research for this conversation, I was hoping when I laid this podcast out before you walked through the door that I'd be able to say the Bills are the healthiest team in the division and blah, 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 blah. We're going to run away with it. It's not like we're without issue. Uh, one of the big names is Cody Ford. Okay? He tears his meniscus. He has to go get that surgery done. Based on the time frame of when it happened and what you've seen so far and what you've heard in the medical community, what do you think the upshot of not only, uh, not only him maintaining his health but also maintaining effectiveness, which was already questionable to start with, where do you think he stands right now? He's going to be healthy for come training camp, that's for sure. I mean, he was pretty close at OTAs. They just didn't want to ramp him up to 100% for two days and then shut him down for six weeks. So he's going to be healthy. They need to keep him in one position. I know that he was beat out by Darrell Williams last year, and then they had to move him inside. If I was Cody Ford in the offseason, I would have been working on my, you know, uh, move my feet, placement, just understanding angles, just trying to just be reactive to everything and just try to – Keep your feet moving, too, because, I mean, he had the, I believe, ankle injury last year, uh, definitely the MCL injury. Well, he hurt um, his ankle first, and yeah. then he came back, and then in the game he came yeah. back from, he got hurt. Yeah, so we, we don't know how he tore his meniscus. It was, it was in practice, but he could have he did sustain a knee injury in week six and groin injury before that. And so he had a bunch of different things. It just seems like he's just getting beat up out there in the, in the interior of the line. So he just needs to be have more 
uh, positional awareness. And I always think back to Joe Thomas. He was on a podcast I listened to, and he said he was just always super aware of his surroundings. And, of course, he was the ultimate Ironman. I think oh, he, for sure. He didn't miss a snap until he, he went and then injured, and then he retired after that. But, like, I'm not saying he has to be Joe he Thomas. He played for years yeah. with no injuries. Not a one. Well, he played with a lot, but he played through everything, well, which played is incredible. Through him, but that's my point. Like, being aware... And knowing, especially when you're in the trenches, when you think about all the beef that's getting thrown around you, like all the bodies that are just awareness saves you. Exactly. And I, I don't think about know Josh that he... Allen hopping over that guy last season. <laughs> yeah. Who you and I talked about this. Yeah. If Allen's feet are still planted firmly on the ground when he throws that pass, that's it. Yep. His knees are destroyed. There's no way he walks away from that. Without seeing it, he felt it. He was aware of it, and he shuffled his feet and kind of did a hop. Mm -hmm. And because he's just uber-talented, he was able to get the ball out, but that awareness saved his season. Maybe his career. Potentially. (laughs) So, Cody Ford has to develop some of that. you got to understand that when you're you're playing offensive tackle, you're on an island, and it's you against one or two other guys every single snap. Maybe they send an extra rusher your way, and you got to dislodge one and re-engage on the interior, especially if they send a late blitzer that way. That's your job, is to chuck the one-man wide on the kick slide, then kick back inside, planting off that far foot. You, call, you fire back inside and try to at least... You're never going to be able to face up that guy, or at least if he's talented. You shouldn't be able to face him up, but you can get your hands on him enough to dislodge him and reroute him. Mm-hmm. And that gives your quarterback time. Then you take that and you say, hey, it's, I only have to pay attention to two or three guys at most. And you move him inside to the interior of the line where now it's, I've got a defensive tackle, I've got a defensive end, I've got a linebacker, I've got safeties, I've got a slot corner who's going to drift in behind this defensive end. There's all kinds of things you have to look at. And it can get overwhelming. Especially for a young player who never played the position before. Not never, but never at the pro level. Mm -hmm. They just got to be consistent with them. I mean, they need to say, and what's interesting, when I was looking up all this stuff here too and then doing my preseason training camp injury reports, they have them listed as O-line. They don't have them as a specific tackle or guard. So that says they don't know, I don't say they don't know what they want to do with him, but they said that he still might be interchangeable. Well, that's why um, that offensive guard uh, position battle show, we talked a lot about yep. Forrest Lamp. We were yeah. like, look. I really like him. I mean, he, he was banged up a lot, but then he had a healthy season last year. He could come in and be the next Daryl Williams. In fact, that's a hot take. I'm willing to, you know, put, put his yeah! ears on. Hell yeah! Put a Seagram's on it, son. <laughs> yes. Chris, we just got a Seagram's bet out of nowhere. It's like the RKO out of nowhere for wrestling fans. Yeah. Seagram's bet out of nowhere. Kyle just brought it up. I, I think Forrest Lamp, he could beat out Cody Ford for a starting spot. And what, what yeah. was the bet last week, right? Oh, I wasn't even willing to commit to it. You, sir. No, I think we ended up on the same page last week. Okay. On Forrest Lamp being a part of the team. Being a part of the team, he wants him for starter. I'll t- I'll right. write that down right. on the board. Yes. Boom! I love it. Yeah. Zach Moss. Zach Moss's injury couldn't have come at a worse time because it was right at the end of the season, which means any kind of corrective surgery you need is going to, there's going to be a carryover to the next season just by default. Anytime you do any kind of invasive surgery like that. What is your prognosis on him and what do you see his upshot as we enter training camp? 
He's going to be healthy as well. And he, okay. once again, the same thing as Ford. He, they just didn't want to ramp him up. He had a very similar procedure. They also the tightrope. You know, same thing as Jalen Waddle oh. and the other things. So he's going to be fine. Um, it just <laughs> there was nothing he could have done about that. He just had bodies fall on him. And he was getting tackled oh, for sure. So it's not his fault. Yeah, but he had those early season injuries. He had the um, toe turf uh, turf toe earlier on, and then he had the other he had another injury that kind of slowed him up a little bit. But then he started to get going. Then he had the ankle injury. He's going to be fine, but he has a long injury history dating back to college. And <laughs> well, I don't know. well, that's why when you talk to uh, Matt Waldman. When we talk to him pre-draft and we uh, post-draft, because anytime we draft a running back, we reach out to Matt Waldman, who I think bar none gives some of the best just draft coverage point blank and period. He's the Barry White of podcasting of just the Barry White of the draft community. He's got a deep bass tone. He's he, he's very I don't know I don't know articulate and yet. It sounds like like when you hear his voice, you're like, man, I can just slip into a warm bath and listen to this. It's nice. <laughs> but so anytime the Bills draft a running back, we reach out to him because it's one of his specialties is scouting that position. And, I mean, he pegged, he pegged Nick Chubb being an equal value to Saquon Barkley in that draft class. And so goes, far, Chubb's going to be the better back right Chubb's now. Chubb's going to be the one who, I mean, short of injury, Saquon Barkley's a phenomenal talent. Mm-hmm. But short of injury... That bears out, right? One of them was a better draft value than the other one because one of them had to go in the top two, and one of them got taken in the second round. So with that, we reach out to him every year when the Bills draft a running back, and he said Zach Moss could be that bruiser complement to Devin Singletary's running style. But he did note the injury history, and he's like, that's going to be a thing where he has a shelf life. Yep. The Bills are drafting him. Know that he can't be your bell cow back because he's got a lot of miles and a lot of injuries. Over time, that will take its toll. The injuries, of the way injuries he runs. more than the miles, yeah. Because of the way he runs. You're never going to fix that. That's mm-hmm. who he is. Yep. So what's his risk of re-injury? I mean, with the ankle itself, isn't too bad. I okay. mean, that, that, yeah, that's fine. The turf toe I'm more concerned about. But even then, I mean, he had a previous history in college. But I'm not saying because he had one last year. He's going to have another one this year. But I, I expect he's going to deal with some type of injury. I actually did an article on Cover One uh, back in 2020. And I was really concerned about him lasting, you know, the standard rookie contract and then getting out to, like, way past that because you're dealing with the arthritis. You're dealing with just everything. They might just say, hey, you've we've got what we can out of you and we're going to move on, you know, find somebody else. Because, I mean, running backs have, what, a two- three-year shelf life. So it's like... You know, maybe he does buck the trend, but I mean, he's not going to get that big second contract that we saw Zeke Elliott get, or you know, some of the other big guys. No, so he's already like, shot that down because yeah. of the injury history that he's that's already shot for him. Yeah, which sucks. It he's, actually kind of sucks because even if he has a great season this year, yeah, they'll use that against him in negotiation. Yeah, and he's he's already sharing the backfield with Devin Singletary. So unless Singletary goes down, but even then, you got Matt Breida. Like they're never going to allow Moss to probably be the bell cow back and say you're going to go out there and just dominate games like. It's just not going to happen, just based off of what he's able to do and what he's done. Is there anybody else? And I'll say this. For me, I, when I talk about players with recurring injuries or injury histories that concern you, just so that our listeners believe we're being fair in this process. First one, Harrison Phillips. Now, he came off his ACL tear last year, and he really, I mean, Justin Zimmer played more impactfully, I think, than he did. 
which I think speaks to the fact that I get it, ACL tears, there's a slow acclimation period. Harrison Phillips is a great guy. I'm yep. not trying to trash him by any stretch. What's the upside for Harrison Phillips at this point? I have no concerns with him. I think okay. he's going to come back and be fine. I mean, I'd highlight on the health side year. at least. He's yeah. clean. I mean, and the way he tore it, he had a body, he had a helmet fly into his his knee. So, so it was, like, it was a was freak a, thing. It wasn't the direct contacts are just a small portion of the ACL tears. So it, the crazy thing about that is, I remember I looked at he fell over. I go, what the hell happened? You just fell over, and you're trying to figure out the mechanism of injury, and then you go back and look, and I remember Thad Brown of uh, Rochester. I can't remember which station. W H M thirteen. Yes. So he's he's awesome. To talk to and he. He had said he found video footage on the side, and they show the moment that the knee gets buckled because of the you know helmet hitting into his knee. So it was like it was just horrible luck for Phillips. And then we knew that it takes a while to get back, and you've seen it time and time and time and time again about how it takes time to guys get back because they're just relearning the knee and the biofeedback with that. So I, I think he's going to actually have a career year. I mean, he was on track for that last year until the uh, knee injury. All uh, right. Well. Tommy Sweeney. Now, this one is a little more relevant because the whole COVID thing and the myocarditis. What? And I saw that you had written something about this. Yep. So where is that published where people can go read it? Uh, Buffalo Rumblings. Okay. So look at this. This guy's a slut. He, he gets in with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Game I'm Day, cover- Buffalo Rumblings, Cover One, uh-huh. your own website. Die by a Blade. I've done a few articles for them. Look so, at this. Yeah. Sports doctor. Like, <laughs> so when do you replace Dr. Joe? Yeah, I'm not. He, he, that dude, he knows a few more things. He's actually worked with the NFL athletes, and he, I think he's been practicing longer than I've been living, but, you know. <laughs> but he, he's become a good friend because I do do the injury spotting for him there, too. That's so. awesome. Yeah. See, look, look, look at this, Chris. Look, look at him. <laughs> Tommy Sweeney. The, the upshot for him, he was a guy that a lot of Bills fans liked, and then he gets COVID, and then he develops some hard irregularities. So they sit him out for the entire 2020 campaign. Now, you look at our tight end room, and it's not. It's a far cry from where it was. There's not. The, the Bills' depth chart at this point at tight end is pretty bereft of a proven talent. You have Jacob Hollister, Dawson Knox, and what? Tommy Sweeney? Yeah. That's- <laughs> What's the upshot for him? Like myocarditis, what is it? And is it something chronic that would affect him into 2021? Myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart tissue and the muscle. Um, If I recall correctly, without looking it up, it's the actual muscle itself that was inflamed. Um, It's not a chronic thing. It's caused by a virus. It can be caused by a flu. It can be caused by whatever. He just happened to be unfortunately... Um, just unfortunate that he got it because they found they only had like five athletes over the course of the all four pro sports that actually got this, maybe a few more, but that it was a big thing with the Big Ten when they were trying to re- you know figure out whether they should play or not, and it was really an unfounded thing. So it was like a you know the exception, not the rule. So it, it's just unfortunate, and I'm glad they caught it fast because it could cause problems if he tried playing through it. But he just had to sit down and do nothing for three months and then retest his heart and find he's okay. So there's not going to be any ill effects from the myocarditis itself. But if you forget, he was on a pup for a while, and then he was ready to come off and then because of a left foot fracture. We don't know exactly what happened. It sounds like it could have been Jones' fracture, but he suffered it during training. And... Um, He's had almost a year, over over a year by that point to recover from it. So there shouldn't be any issues with that. But I'd be more concerned about left foot fracture if it was like a Jones fracture, for example, compared to the myocarditis. 
I love hearing that because that's one of those things where when you hear that athletes, like I know a lot of these guys, I know it's made the headlines, athletes being cavalier about COVID, right? <laughs> okay. We're going there. <laughs> no, no, but here's what I'll say. What do you want? Moreover, what do you expect from a group of men who have made their living, right? They've made this a living. They've spent their youth, their prime, their physical prime, putting their bodies on the line every single week, playing a very physical game that Doug Whaley once, I I remember I was listening to it in the truck driving to work. I'm driving and I just hear Doug Whaley and they ask him about injuries and he goes, well, football is a violent game and I don't think human beings were meant to play. (laughs) <laughs> and I looked at the radio just, I'm like, have I not haven't had enough coffee yet on my 40-minute ride into work? Or did this idiot just say to a media outlet that human beings shouldn't be playing football? Because you know that that's going to be a thing. And of course it was. And he's not wrong. He, he just can't be the guy to say it. This game, I mean, they, they, what was it? They didn't wear helmets at first, and then so many people died playing it that they they almost canceled the sport countrywide. Yeah, that's that's how the NCAA formed because they had to do a committee because like this is too dangerous. We had to put rules to it. <laughs> of course, NCAA is a whole other thing. Especially yeah, yeah. now they're so, just a giant disaster. Exactly. Got. Although this, the U.S. Supreme Court just threw gas all over them and lit yes. them on fire. <laughs> but, but with that. This is a dangerous game. And yet, these guys go out there every Sunday and put their bodies on the line to do it. So if they have that mindset, is anyone shocked that there are NFL players who are pushing back against getting vaccinated when they don't know what the result's going to be? Because here's the thing. They know what the result's going to be if they go out there and play a football game. Yeah, maybe I'll get broken in half. Maybe I'll break my spine. Maybe I'll break a leg. Maybe I'll get a concussion. They don't know what the outcome of that is. And they've already accepted so much more physical risk than any other human being. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Short of the military, I don't know anybody else who puts themselves in harm's way for a paycheck voluntarily. Maybe the police. That's about it. The firefighters. But yeah, still, not the same level. But this is my point. Like, they already believe this. So why is anyone shocked that there's pushback? But you see it with Tommy Sweeney that there's... There is legitimate reason to be concerned. I mean, I got COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question. Did I, do I have myocarditis? I don't know. Because I'm not, I mean, I work out three times a week, but I'm not physically active enough to, I'm not active on that level. So I'll never I still know. think you would have had some type of symptoms. You said, hey, something's not right. But sure. there are those, I think they call them long haulers or something. Yeah. Have, you know. but, but, but the reality is, is that we don't know what the long-term prognosis is, but that's why so many I, – I, I just feel like for all the people who get vitriolic about athletes' approach to COVID, do you understand the athlete mindset? They've already adopted this idea that I'll leave my body broken out there on the field if that's what it takes to win a football game. Then why are you shocked that they don't care about their own well-being enough to go investigate this thing more? 
I mean, not all of them. I mean, we saw no, Star Lotelele no. sit out last year. I mean, we don't know exactly why, but he did have his heart uh, issue back when he was getting drafted. He had a viral infection that was decreasing his uh, ejection uh, fracture, if I correctly say that right. And Where, wasn't his wife undergoing ca- uh, cancer treatment? I think so. I don't know about that. So but there were some different things. But he already had one viral infection cause problems with his heart to make him drop a little bit. So why would he risk him again? Of course, he's older, too. He's got his money. But still. Well, yeah. But no, it's the same mindset. And so I just want people to take like take everything that goes on there with a grain of salt. And then Starler Tulele. He's the guy I want to talk to you about. Because everyone, the big hubbub was, well, he took a year off of football. And he, those videos that got posted. He looks looking good. He looks in shape. Yeah. He looks like a guy who took the year off and is coming back in actually better shape than he was when he was playing with us mm-hmm. the previous season. Yep. Is there any risk of being? I mean, have, have your studies shown that guys on the couch get re-injured when they come off, or if they stay active enough, they can just come off? And I mean, I think Josh Gordon. He's <laughs> yeah. Josh Gordon might be the case study here. Might be, yeah. If we could ever do it, but he seems to come back and do perfectly fine without re-injury. It's not like he pulls a hamstring because he hasn't. Been, if you stay active away from football. You're going to be fine when you come back. It should be. It so, should be. So you're upshot for Star Latule. Are you? Are you positive about his prog- like his possible prognosis going forward? Yeah, I am. I, I think he was. I mean, you clearly see he was in shape. I, those guys don't sit around and just do nothing. I remember you said you talked about Fred Smurless, and he said they were partnering boats and doing whatever else, and then they got in shape for training camp. These guys are making too much money to. Um, not be in shape and they have the, you know, they're, they're always in shape and then they ramp it up for when they need to there. So I don't think he's going to have any problem. They might have to knock off some rust just getting down to the swing of things, but there shouldn't be any issues with that. And then um, I just want to clarify, I said ejection fracture. It's actually ejection fraction with regards to his heart output, but that's okay. that's besides the point. I'm just being, no, being hey, picky about this stuff. Because you're a doctor. Yes. I want to make sure I'm correct and I don't want people coming st- after me. How stupid is this? I'm I am half in the bag talking to a doctor about football. <laughs> Did you ever see our podcast getting to this point? Yes. Yes. He says yes. So with that in mind, the big picture for the Buffalo Bills, they're they're relatively healthy at every meaningful position. Pretty much, yeah. I mean that most of the guys that we talked about, the only other guy we didn't talk about is Dawson Knox. He just was beat up last year, but um you know, it just is what it is with him. He needs to be healthy in order to produce. That was the reason why he didn't produce last year. Week two concussion, week five calf injury, COVID week seven, hamstring injury week ten, right side stinger week fourteen, uh, stinger side specified week fifteen. Say, no, no, here's the thing: when you, I, I never thought about Dawson Knox like that, but now when you lay it out, it's like when was when was he ever one hundred percent? He Knox really was almost yeah. never um, rookie year. That's probably closest. He had the hamstring injury all the training camp, but uh, you know he, he has an injury history dating back to college. So he's one of those guys that I think they they looked at the upside of what he could be, and they said let's let's see what we can do with this. And I don't want to say most of the third round picks don't pan out. They 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 can and do, but. Brandon Bean's draft history. I went over this on Joe Marino's podcast uh, the other day. He likes to look for you know high upside guys with minimal injury talent in the first two rounds, and then swings for the fences for the 
um, third round and then kind of gets whatever he can in the fourth or seventh round. So Knox is one of those guys that, yeah, he has a ton of potential. He had a ton of injuries. Maybe we can work him into something. So he has all this potential. But didn't, what, somebody, whether you or somebody said last week that potential can get a lot of people fired. I, yes, okay. I say it all the time. I'm like, that's the, that's the dirtiest word because it'll get everyone fired. I mean, there's GMs right now. You He's not going to get Brandon Bean fired, but... I know, but, but okay, perfect example. You look at the San Francisco 49ers right now. They're going to go out there and they tr- draft number three overall, Trey Lance. Trey Lance is one season. Like, one season of real college production. He's all physical intangibles, physical talent, intangibles, and a little bit of tape. But they trust that, hey, that's the right pick for the future of our franchise, and we think we can mold him. Now, I said... Josh Allen's 2020 season will get some ultra-athletic quarterbacks drafted highly, and it'll also get a lot of a lot of GMs fired. Because you're going to look at Josh Allen and go, well, I want the next guy who's like that. Give me a small school guy who is humble and works hard and does all the right things and says all the right things and who has these certain physical tools. And I think I can mold that the way they molded Josh Allen. Now, he's probably a unicorn, right? Dude who couldn't, Chris, dude who couldn't complete a pass to a running back to save his life, who now is just, last season he dominated defenses. I mean, he was ridiculous the way he was slinging it around. That is a, (laughs) you don't just find that. That's not every single college kid who has athletic traits. And that's going to get people fired. And I think that it's the same thing, like you said, it's potential. It's this dirty word that people chase when you're in that profession of scouting and GMing. Dawson Knox's potential will land him a roster spot this year. There's no way they'll cut him. No. But his injury history and his ineffectiveness might be the thing that people look at them and then give him shit for later and go, well, you, you knew he was banged up. Why'd you do this? Yeah. I mean, if he has a season like the 2019 season, he could actually do something. He had showed potential at that point. I mean, outside the hamstring strain in preseason, he had knee soreness in you know, week 11 of 2019. So if he has a season like 2019 health-wise, he should be able to put it all together just if. If. But besides that, we're to, Chris, we're talking about a tight end on a wide receiver-driven offense. That's pretty good, right? 100%. So when you look at the AFC East as a whole, if we're going to put a bow on this show tonight, because I've already taken up enough of your time and our listeners' time. Listen, I enjoy talking with you. I get out of the house for a little bit. I know my <laughs> wife's not going to listen to this. So my kids are asleep. I'm able to drink some beer, shoot the shit with you guys. Hell yeah. If you need to talk another hour, I'm just going to tell my wife, hey, we went over. So I love it. But we do need to put a bow on it. We you know? need to put a bow on this. <laughs> The Buffalo Bills, we enter this offseason with very few major injury questions. The biggest contributors to our team's success are all healthy. When you look around the division, here's what I see, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. I see a Patriots team whose signal caller has a questionable and a very checkered injury past. Recent injury. Recent. And then also there's a rookie who we've already articulated, the rookies don't fare well on the whole their first seasons in the NFL. Um, They've got some key players like Stephon Gilmore who are hurt and or just trying to force their way off the team. New England is a team that was also undermined by injuries last year, which makes you question maybe they're pressing too much, putting guys out there who maybe aren't 
100% healthy. Maybe it's not. Maybe the cracks are kind of showing here in the dynasty of we're trying to cling too hard. Because you, you hang on to To me, any, any sports dynasty is like one of those metal merry-go-rounds in the playground. You spin it around and around and around and around. If you keep it going for long enough, the force is pulling you apart. Eventually are stronger than what you can do to keep it together. Whether it's time, age, <laughs> free agency, it doesn't matter what it is. It'll pull, it'll pull everything apart. And I think that that's happened. And now they're trying to cobble this thing together, but the cracks are already there. And they're just getting farther and farther out until this thing implodes. I see a Miami Dolphins team who some of their key additions have injury flags. <laughs> like that's that can't be understated enough. Some of the key additions that you're hoping will stabilize a stagnant offense have significant injury concerns. And then I look at a New York Jets team where you retained one of the worst staffs in the NFL in terms of how to handle injuries. But it's not front office, it's injuries. I'm it's both. It's one of them. It's either the medical staff or the front office, maybe both. Yeah. When you look at the Buffalo Bills in comparison to all of them, how happy are you that we have our situation compared to theirs? The only situation that's even close to ours is Miami. I mean, we have the best situation because we can overcome these injuries. The only time we couldn't was, you know, the final game of the season was the AFC Championship game. We had the wide receiver core just beat up. We had Cole Beasley with his broken fibula. Yeah, you hear that now. You've got think about that. You've got Gabe Davis on a bum leg, high ankle sprain. High I found ankle that. sprain, yep. and he's out there trying to play because yep. it's the game to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. This is what he's dreamed of since he's a kid. Exactly. Cole Beasley's fighting through a broken leg. Yep. And yep. Stephon goes, Diggs had a oblique injury. John Brown and Ben Brown injuries. I mean, if those guys were all healthy, I don't know if that one made a big difference with how they played against Kansas City. But, but, but what it does is when you say when you see a Kansas City defensive coordinator say, "Hey guys." Let's go beat these guys. We're going to play a physical game against this Bills offense. That was a difference. When you're not healthy, you can't fight that. Yeah. I mean, we have the depth. Even even when we lost Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds was playing subpar for a while, like we were still able to plug and play guys. And yeah, there's some cracks that showed. No one's going to have a perfect roster, but the Bills are built now that they can sustain a injury to a major star other than Josh Allen and still continue playing. The only guy that I think maybe they can that would struggle is Tre'Davious White if he went down. But even we have a depth of you know cornerbacks that could still plug in there so the Bills have the best situation I say that with some bias but Miami has the next best situation then probably say New England then you know um, the, the Jets, Jets are the wild card here yeah I, I just Chris isn't it nice knowing that ahead of training camp we're going to have pretty much everybody on hand pretty much everybody healthy everybody yeah, we got the best doctors speed. in the division and we have the best facilities And that's it. And that doesn't hurt that we have the best facilities that money can buy. I just, it's hard pressed for me to think that any team has any more upshot than we do. It's something like this. Agreed. I hope you as listeners, now as we've set the table ahead of training camp, the Bills are the healthiest team entering this preseason process. Hopefully we stay that way, but also the Bills, I've heard worry, I've seen the tweets, I've seen things on Facebook, all the hand-wringing about injury. No, what if this year? It's going to happen, it's just how do you deal with it? That's a big difference. nobody has dealt with it. Nobody has circled the wagons on the injury front better than the Buffalo Bills. 
And I can't wait to see it play out here in 2021. With that, we're gonna get out. We're gonna get the hell out of here. Kyle, where can everybody find all of your work? Because you know <laughs> you get around. That I do. That I do. I get around more than Chris's ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> on top. Very Dunked cool. on. <laughs> so you can find me at Banged Up Bills on Twitter. I'm on Instagram now. I'm not, I don't really interact a ton on there, but I am on there. You can find my work there. Facebook. Uh, you can find my work at the game day. I'm under my other uh, Twitter handle, Kyle Trimble 88. Uh, I do mostly NFL stuff, but I was dabbling into the baseball and uh, basketball stuff this year. Uh, you can find uh, more injury profiles and like specific issues at Buffalo Rumblings. And then occasionally when there's a Sabres injury worth talking about at Die by the Blade, but that's more just one off thing. So game day, Buffalo Rumblings, banged up bills. Um, I'm sure it's going to continue expanding as there's this con- a continued need for this. So we'll just see where it takes me. It's taken me pretty far so far. I love it. Guys, thank you for hanging out for this entire podcast. I know we're long-winded, but we have a great time. we got to get the hell out of here, though. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Dr. Kyle Tremble. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. All right. All right. Dude. Fuck yeah. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.